worked 40 hours a week. But they said with the coming technology, every American was going to start to work less and less. We'd be down to four-day weeks and three-day weeks. But guess what? In 1987, did the amount of time that people worked every week go up or down? It went up. In 1987, the average worker in America was working 46 to 50 hours a week. Today, in fact, the last study they did, 2008, says that if you're a professional, you work somewhere between 52 to 60 hours a week. And if you're a small business owner or a small business operator, you're probably working somewhere between 60 to 65 hours a week. As someone once told me when I got out of the seminary, they said, the church you're going to will pay you for 40, expect 50, but be unhappy if they don't get 60. Now, I don't know whether that's true or not, but we all work. The fact is you're going to spend more time working, commuting to work, thinking about work than anything else you will do. You will spend more time at work than you will with your family. You will spend more time at work than you will with your friends or your spouse. You will spend more time at work than you will in leisure activities. And sad to say, you will spend a whole lot more time at work than you will in any spiritual activity that you undertake. Whether you like it or not, work will dominate your life. Now you can see on the screen that God, of course, wants to bless your work. He tells us, it's a promise. He said, commit to the Lord, whatever you do. And he said, your plans will succeed. Now I want to tell you something right off the bat. Succeed does not equal big bucks. God gives success, and God can give success in any way he chooses. And sometimes we're looking for success in the wrong way, and we miss the success that God actually gives us. For example, I may not make very much money, but I'm extremely happy doing what I do. But at the same time, you'll notice I listed a few passages I found in Proverbs that have to do with laziness. Proverbs 10, lazy hands make a man poor. Proverbs 12, he who chases fantasies lacks judgment. Proverbs 18, one who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroyed. Or Proverbs 14, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. Now in week one of this series, we talked about how the book of Proverbs is a book of consequences. Behavior produces corresponding results, or put another way from the Bible, what you sow, what happens? What you sow, that's also what you're going to reap. And nowhere is that more true than in your work life, whether you are a student, whether you're a professional, whether you're a farmer, whether you're a rancher, I don't care what it is you do. Like Psalm 14.3 says, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. Now, of course, I think we all know people who have worked their fingers to the bone and wound up dirt poor. Now, part of that may have something to do with poor money management. And by the way, we're going to spend a whole Sunday talking about biblical money management. Sometimes it has to do with the fact that it's not enough just to break your back at work. It's not enough just to sweat a lot. But God still wants to bless your job. And today we're going to look at three ways in which we can do our jobs, whatever they may be, to allow God to give us the, him the opportunity 
to bless it. Now, the first one you see is to fine-tune your motives. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, the Bible talks an awful lot about this. But stop and ask yourself, why do you work? Now, I asked myself that this last week. I mean, here it is, what, September the 6th? In 10 days, uh, I will hit uh, the glorious old age of 65. I am fully capable of retiring at any moment. I can even show you my Medicare card I've got. And I think I may be one of the last people in my high school graduating class that is still fully employed. And I have people ask, why do you keep doing it? I thought about this last week. Why do I work? Have you ever asked yourself that? Why do you work? Or why do you do the job you do? Is it because of the money? Or is it because you owe so much money that you have to work? Or do you work where you work because it's the only place that would hire you? I gotta tell you something. Money is never a sufficient motivation to work. Now, if my wife were here this morning, she would say, yeah, he knows what he's talking about. Here's a guy who's accepted calls to different churches and taken 35 and 40% salary cuts. So you know, money doesn't motivate him very much. But I gotta tell you, I don't work for free. And I don't think anybody else ever expects anybody else to work for free either. But if the only reason you show up to your job is to get a paycheck, if the only reason you show up to give your job is so because you need another couple of years to get that retirement, I think it becomes pretty obvious pretty quick about everybody you work with and for. I, I just don't know very many bosses who want people who are only there to pick up their paycheck. I mean, just think about it. If you call the lawyer, for example, do you want somebody who sees you only as so many billable hours? Or do you want a lawyer who's really interested in helping you solve your legal issue? Or if you go to a doctor, do you want to go to a doctor who's only interested in his next big boat payment out of you? Or somebody who's really interested in helping you get more healthy? See, money alone is never going to be a good motive for working. Neither is self-promotion. You know, I think all of us have worked at one time or at another, and somebody who's much more interested in getting ahead than they are doing their job well. Now, if self-promotion is your motive for working, you're, you're going to be tempted to cut corners. You'll be tempted to take credit that isn't due you. You begin to adopt that kind of cutthroat attitude and instead of working in a team atmosphere, and I think all of you heard before, there is no I in team. It's kind of you against the rest of the world. So you might ask yourself, what should my motivation be? If I'm a Christ follower, if I'm a believer, what should be my motivation? What would be a good motivation for whatever job you have? Whether, you, whether you're like Courtney, who's a student, she's got a job, that's her job, she's a student. Whether you are even retired, guess what? You're still functioning in society. Whether you have a job like me, what should our motivation be? What would be a good motive to work? I don't have this on your outline, but I can give you a couple of things. I think, first of all, a good motivation would be to remember that your job is an opportunity to serve the Lord. 
It's just that simple. Your job's an opportunity for you to serve the Lord. I mean, work is not a curse. Work is a blessing. Work isn't a waste of time. Work is always an opportunity for you to somehow serve the Lord. I, I don't believe that God designed something that you're going to spend half of your time involved in that's going to be miserable. He knew you are going to spend half your time working. So make it fun. I mean, whatever you do for a living, I don't care whether you're a student or whether you're flipping burgers or whether you're a pastor or whether you're a teacher or a farmer or a rancher. I don't care what you do. You can do that job to serve God. Paul, in uh, Colossians chapter, yeah, there it is, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Now, everybody has a human boss, and if you're self-employed like I am, guess what? you got a church full of bosses, or at least they all think they are, uh, but every boss is a customer. Uh, but beyond that, when you do your job, there is always something that takes place on a spiritual level. To those of you that are students, you may have never thought of this before, but when you are in school functioning as good students, there is something happening there on a spiritual level that maybe you never ever thought about, and it's this. You have an opportunity to be a student in such a way that you can serve the Lord. Or I see Lynn, who farms, you know, when you're out there doing your job, Lynn, or Tommy, who got on the ranch, there's something spiritual about that. It's an opportunity, if you stop and think about it, to serve the Lord through that. That's a good motive. It may be practicing great conservation, stewardship of God's land or whatever, whatever God's given you. I think another great motivation is just to remember that you have an opportunity to serve other people. I was trying to think this last week if there is a job anywhere that you don't get to serve people in some way. Yeah, I got to be thinking, you know, maybe you don't get paid as much as you'd like to get paid. In fact, very few of us do. But the fact is you get paid for serving God and serving other people. And um, there's really kind of a third way to refine your motives and remember that you're there to serve yourself. I'm going to serve God. I get to serve other people. And guess what? In my job, I'm also able to serve myself. It provides me with a place to live, food to eat, and on and on and on. Proverbs 16.26 says, The laborer's appetite works for him. His hunger drives him on. Now let's move to the second point here. If I want to work hard for the glory of God, you need to make a commitment to quality. It's a really sad thing for me to think that a believer, someone who professes Jesus Christ, would want to be involved in a job where they thought they could get away with sloppy work. I mean, Christians, more than anyone else, ought to know better. Because you're working for God, no matter what you do. And so God, who is a God of quality, demands quality from us. Thomas Watson, he's the founder of IBM, said, If you want to be a big company tomorrow, you have to, act, you have to start acting like one today. I mean, I've seen a, a, where that's true. I, I've seen churches who were really big but acted like little church churches, you know, and they couldn't figure out what was going on. They had to start acting like it. So if you want to be a supervisor tomorrow, start acting like one today. If you want a promotion tomorrow, start working at it today. If you want to be a success, start working at it today. But it's a commitment to quality 
as you serve God, as you serve other people, as you serve yourself. Now, the Japanese, and actually the Koreans, and I, I hate to admit this, but the last couple of cars I've ever owned have been foreign-made. I've got two Korean-made cars in my garage today, a Hyundai and a Kia. They have a word in, that they use in the business context for which there is no English equivalent, but it describes their work ethic. The word could best be translated by the phrase constant and continual improvement. Constant and continual improvement. This word articulates the concept that they have that everybody involved in whatever you're doing should always be in the process of getting better. Now, when I read that in a business magazine, I thought, doesn't that describe the Christian life as well? That when God through Jesus justifies us by grace through faith, he then begins in us a process through the Holy Spirit to do what? To sanctify us. And the objective is to have a constant and continual process of becoming more and more like Jesus every day. That's the idea of making a commitment to quality. And yet too often in our jobs, and in our lives, we have these kind of flippant attitudes that don't even acknowledge that. Far too often we have this attitude that says, what's the least I can get away with doing and still come out looking good? I'm going to go back to my days as a teacher. Every once in a while we'd assign papers to write. In high school, you'd say, okay, I want you to write a... Uh, Oh, a six to ten page paper on uh, American foreign relations with the country of Nicaragua. Now, the minute the students here to write a six to ten page paper, how long will that paper be? Six pages. What's the least I can do and still be away with it? And then there will always be a student or two, not you, for an who will try to make it five and three quarters or five and a half, or five, or maybe three, and jump the font size up to 24. <laughs> What's the least I can do? But what kind of an attitude is that? Or we have the attitude of, oh, that's good enough for who it's for. I got a better one for you to commit to memory. You all know how this one ends. You finish it for me. If the job is worth doing, it's worth doing well. Now, maybe you work in an environment that doesn't reward quality. Maybe your boss doesn't and never will appreciate the efforts you put in. But remember, you're not working for that person. Who are you working for, really? You're working for the Lord. You're working with the people you serve. And you're really working for yourself. And you make a commitment to quality. That's why Solomon could say here in Proverbs 18, 9, one who is slack in his work is brother to those who destroy it. See, there's something destructive about not doing your job well. Anybody here have a restaurant that you'll never go back to because you were treated rudely? Okay. Anybody have a store that you really don't care to go back and shop at anymore because you were treated poorly? I went to return something one time at a store, major store, and when I walked in, 
to return it. I had the package and my receipt, and the young girl behind the counter was talking on her cell phone, I think to her boyfriend. And I stood there, and she looked at me like, what do you want? And she slid a sheet of paper across from me, and I, I looked at it, and then she kind of gave me the, <clears throat> and she went and got a pencil and threw it back on the counter. And I realized when I looked down, and I was bright enough to figure it out, it's the return form. So I filled it out, spun it around. She's continually talking. She opens up the cash register, throws my money, literally, on the counter, and walks away and continues to talk to her boyfriend. I will tell you, that is the last time I ever did business with that major chain. All of you have probably done something similar to that. You've had a deal with some sort of surly, lazy, incompetent employee, and it drove you away. Now, stop and think for a moment how much money, because they're not losing a lot of money on account of me, but you know, if you drive away enough customers, the next thing you do is you're going to walk by a business, a restaurant, and the place is going to be closed. All I can tell you, friends, is Christ followers, do not become that kind of employee. Do your job with a commitment to quality. The same quality that God used. Here's the last thing. Strive for diligence. Now, what do I mean by diligence? It means sticking with something day in, day out. Vince uh, Lombardi used to say, when the going gets tough, what happens? The tough get going. I work with a lot of people who, when the going gets tough, they quit. When the going gets tough, they bail out. When the going gets tough, they whine. When the going gets tough, they blame it on other people, and they don't practice diligence. If you're doing your job consistently the same way over and over day after day, one of my favorite baseball players is Cal Ripken Jr. Cal Ripken Jr. was a good shortstop, but he became a legend not because he was brilliant all the time. He became a legend because he was there all the time. You know, over 2,000 consecutive games, he was there no matter what. He was occasionally brilliant, but guess what? He was always diligent. Solomon says, diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. I think one of the biggest mistakes students make, one of the biggest mistakes employees make, is showing a lack of diligence. It's not God-pleasing. I mean, I, I think about just being inconsistent. My grandson told me something uh, one time, and he said, you know, Grandpa, I'm doing what you told me to do when it comes to school. And he went, when he went off to college, it's something he did in high school. He said, I make sure that I get to class early, and I get a seat towards the front where the teacher can see me, and I make a point of being there early every day in the same place, and I make a point of going and talking to that teacher after class if I have a question. That's kind of neat when you think about that. Think about it as a student. Think about it as an employee. You know. Are you showing up on time? How are you dressed? How do you act? Do you act energetically towards your work? I mean, bosses aren't omniscient, but guess what? Bosses look for clues. If your boss can bank on the fact, if your teacher can bank on the fact that you show up on time, you look sharp, smile on your face, 
You've got a head start and succeed. Now, does God want to bless your work? Sure. And God says this is part of it, diligence. See, Jesus has a promise with this too. Let's tie this together with something else Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 21, when you are faithful in a few things, and God has given us things to be faithful in, whether it's raising our children, or being faithful to our spouse, or being faithful to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, or being faithful in our job. So if you're faithful in a few things, guess what? I'll put you in charge of many things. And sometimes doing the same thing day in, day out, year in, year out, brings glory to God and puts you in a position to be blessed by Him. All I'm telling you on this Labor Day weekend is that God truly wants to bless you in your job. But God says for me to do that, you have to work hard. And that involves a whole lot more than long hours and buckets of sweat. It involves keeping your motives pure, keeps your motives in line, and keeping quality work a priority and keeping at it. That's his guarantee then that he will bless it. Let me make one last connection here. Each of these three points I made for you today in your job have been modeled for you by Jesus. What was Jesus' motivation in coming to this earth? He had a big job. I don't know what the conversation would have been like, but when his father called him and said, Jesus, I want you to go into this world a world full of sinful, sick, dying people who can care less, and I want you to suffer, and I want you to die for them, what could possibly motivate Jesus to do that? What do you think? His great love for us. His great love for us. He knew that he was having a great opportunity to serve who? His Father in heaven. This I do to your glory, he said. He got to do it also to serve other people. Now, I'm going to tell you the last part. I don't think necessarily because I don't think he was doing it for himself. Not at all. Set that aside. He had the right motive. Did he do it with quality or not? Oh, you bet that you did. How many sins have you committed in your life? Wouldn't it be kind of cool if, if on the back of your neck somewhere there would be a little digital reality so I could just come back and go, oh man, that's how many you did this so you can kind of push the reset. But you say, but oh, couldn't I push the reset button and get rid of all of them? But see, that's exactly what God did in Jesus. His blood washed away every sin. It was quality. He didn't have to come like they did in the Old Testament and die week after week after week on some Jewish altar. One time. One time only. Has he been diligent in being your Savior? Well, I'll give you a great example of diligence. First John chapter 1 verse 9. Some of you know that from memory. If we confess our sins, God is what? Faithful and just. He is diligent in doing what? Forgiving all of our sins and cleansing us from all unrighteousness. You think you've got a hard job? 
tried dying for the sins of the whole world. But he had the right motivation. It was love. It was love for his father. It was love for you. He did it with quality. One time. That's all it took. And he's still there. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's a great job. Work hard is hard work. God did it for us. Jesus gave us an example. And he calls on us to follow. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for our jobs. We thank you for the employment that we find, whether we be students or office workers or factory workers or farmers or ranchers or whatever it may be. We know that your word says that if we love you, that there is a blessing. We also know that if you are not in our labor, our labor is in vain. And so we pray that you will teach us to be committed workers, to commit to you whatever we do, and trust that you will make our plans successful. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.